0: Welcome to the official podcast of the Canberra Raiders. Join us as we go behind the limelight. Hello and welcome to the official Camber Raiders podcast I'm Raider Nick and once again Joined by the official Camber Raiders media manager Mr Benny Pollock, Benny I've bought shares In that Mawson Street bakery mate uh, how did you, how'd, you, how'd you Process that loss? I had again, to get a, uh,
1: The sympathy feed on the way
0: home Yeah, We'll touch on that uh, loss, we'll preview round 12 a Huge day at GIO Stadium uh, the Forever Green night Plus lots of other things happening We'll have uh, the skipper, Tootsa Croker Comes and joins us and I know I say every week it's a special forever green but this one it's a super special one former Raiders strength and conditioner bomber Sean McRae comes in and he mentioned some great stories of the 90s the likes of uh, the team battling through 91 and that's worth sticking around yeah, for. Yeah,
1: he's a, a very influential character in rugby league, of course. We know he, he went on the coach South Sydney as well, um, like one of our other guests we had, Michael Maguire. So a wealth of rugby league knowledge, and he just loves the game. Bomber, He still too. loves the rugby Can't we yeah, he he's does. still
0: got green blood in that system. Big bomber. Anyway, plenty to hang around for. Come and join us as we go behind the limelight. i point
2: the blame control to be understand how we've got to play and we're trying to close out games yes the half the nine have got a very important role in that but we've got
3: people around them that are smart enough to know that they should be in confinement with, with those types of decisions it's just a matter of reaching something in regards to a, a strategy or a play
2: we talk about closing out games a lot we're losing games because we're not closing them out well enough at the moment. We've, put ourselves in too many, we've put ourselves in so many positions this season so far to win games than we have and I do it's not my job doing out of patience. We keep
0: working hard at it to to fix it. There he is, very transparent there, deflated coach Ricky Stewart after the boys going down to the St. George of Lawara, 25 points to 18 over there at Mudgee. And I'll tell you what, Benny, as we mentioned, it was one of those games where you could feel St. George were a little off the cylinder. But, you know, it's as we mentioned, those little things... It's a game little, of inches. If you look at that... Lapses, whether it's a missed tackle or a kick out on the full or maybe not getting a repeat set, that's all it takes in this competition.
1: Well, we look at that, they talk about a game of inches, but Elliot Whitehead went within a whisker of scoring a try for the Raiders in that uh, period where Jordan Rapana was off the field. I mean, that's the sort of thing that's just not coming off for us at the moment you you can just feel it Um, uh, when you're winning um, those things go your way you know there's a confidence builds and all that type of stuff but unfortunately for us um, you know Jordan made the wrong decision in that getting sin binned I think it was the right call from the the referee on watching the replay Um, obviously you're not allowed to lay a finger on a player and try and push them out of the race they try and score a try Um, Jack White probably had that ball covered we could have had to defend one set um, um, to get the ball back but these things happen in rugby league and you need to work in adversity. And uh, unfortunately, we did it for nine minutes and 48 seconds or something like that. Uh, and then Duffy scores just as Rapana's about to come back onto the field.
0: I wonder if you think if... Because they went upstairs and thought potential penalty try. If he didn't go penalty try, it was almost like no penalty try but the second best thing, go for I 10. don't think it
1: matters. I think as soon as I they... I reckon
0: if it wasn't penalty try, you might have got away with that.
1: No, I think as soon as they go upstairs and look at the replay, I mean, that's the, the reason was to see if Rapana... on a professional foul i don't think there was ever a doubt that it was going to be and it was never going to be a penalty try um whiten had the ball pretty much covered it needs to be bang on pretty much certainty that the player would have scored to get a penalty try i don't think that was ever going to be the the issue the issue was the ref wanted to have a look to see if it was a professional foul which it was uh and then they got the decision for the 10 minutes from there
0: oh well how was the trip home
1: long Nearly hit a couple of kangaroos and it's a tough road that trip on the way home. You've got to be careful on that road. I know the boys uh, stopped in Kara for, for a feed on the way home and, and got back into Canberra late that night. So it's been a pretty, pretty relaxed sort of week in terms of training with a short turnaround. They've had um, recovery sessions on Tuesday and uh, only a light preparation going into the game. So um, it'll be interesting to see... Um, they need to pick themselves up mentally. Um, I think that they've moved on already. They have to, because um, as I said, uh, Manly is a must-win game now.
0: They've uh, knocked off the Storm. They've knocked off Brisbane both away games, so they don't mind packing the suitcases. a Manly team at the moment, yeah,
1: they're in a pretty good form. Um, they, we know what they did to us a few weeks ago. Mm. So, um, fortunately for us, they're going to be without obviously Dylan Walker, who's um, out for six weeks with that fractured eye socket following the the Curtis Scott punch in the Storm game, and, and Abby Happy picked up a week suspension as well. So, yes, they are a little bit weakened, but we are too. Joe Tarpany out for two yeah. weeks um, for that uh, shoulder charge uh, over the sideline on the weekend, and um, fortunately, Josh Papali is free to play this weekend after taking the early play and, and a fine.
0: So Tarps is out for two weeks. Papa will play, and um, but we speak about... Uh Players out for Manly, we can't underestimate them. Definitely, as not. the Sharks, we, we were a talked few weeks about the ago.
1: Sharks. That's right, they had five out, and um, we we couldn't get the job done there. So, look, the guys, um, I don't know what it is, they seem to really respond when the backs are right against the wall, and they have to this weekend. Um, and you know, they've copped a fair bit of criticism this week um, for their, the way that they manage the back end of their games, and I, I think we'll see an improved performance.
0: Great weekend for the club. Friday, Benny, Forever Green. I remember the one two years ago, the inaugural one. It was just, it was an emotional. All night some of the faces that were there some of the big names and of course we've had the forever green interviews on this podcast throughout the year a lot of those faces are going to be there they can't wait to walk into gio stadium again and, and to to bring back the memories and they just something about the raiders club they're just once green forever green
1: that's exactly right and um, i see uh, the list of, of uh, confirmed starters for the club It it goes back to raider number i think six or seven, through to rated number 200 and something. So there's a a real wide spread um, of different eras of players coming along. There's also a spread of guys that have played 100, 200 plus games for the club and guys that played two or three games for the club, which I love. I love the fact that it doesn't matter whether you're a superstar or a guy that played a handful of games, you you come back and you celebrate your time uh, in the green jersey, which I love.
0: MASH sponsor, ActuAGL, they're doing some stuff upstairs as well?
1: Yeah, they sure are. uh, We've obviously got the, the Forever an event happening um, all thanks to uh, Greg Johnson and the team at Osbrokers Canberra helping us out with that event once again uh, but you know we've got the uh, the big game at half time the ACTUAGL All-Stars up against the Forever Green team and uh, guys like Alan Tung and Jason wow. Croker in the All-Stars versus Ruben Wickie Dave Howell Adrian Pertel uh, all playing in that other in the uh, other team so I think there's going to be close to a thousand games of NRL experience at half time
0: Tung you'll be keen he'll be uh, ready with that step <laughs> the head step. <laughs> the likes of Toots Croker Senior as well. It's worth getting out there. Go and support the team. Don't be disheartened by the fortnight. The best thing you can do, bind up all your anger, bind up all your angst and discomfort and just show your support. Unconditional a supporter should be, especially your Raiders supporter.
1: Exactly. Get out there, get behind the boys. We need your help. Uh, look, it's going to be um, an early game, obviously, Friday afternoon or Friday evening, so um, following the match this week, and we'll have a, a women's exhibition, or not a women's game yeah. from the Katrina Fanning Shield. So the Valley Dragons up against uh, the Goulburn team so uh, get out there and stick around afterwards and, and watch some women's rugby league as well so two games uh, on this weekend. Get
0: out there. Skipper, Toots, welcome aboard mate, how are you?
2: Going good mate, going good, thanks for uh, having me in here.
0: Thanks for coming in mate, we know you're a busy man so we won't keep you for long. First of all, let's uh, stroke the elephant in the room mate, a couple of losses there for the boys. I bought shares in uh, Mawson Bakery mate, I've had so much ice cream to get over this, it's been shattering losses. Benny's mentioned that as well. We're shattered as guys looking in. What about for you boys on the field, mate? It must be gut-wrenching losing to quality opposition, but two weeks in a row.
2: Yeah, it is, mate. It's um the, the way we've lost the games is um, you know, something that we've obviously been criticised for earlier in the year. Those are the leading or, or the tight losses. So um, yeah, the boys are all frustrated and and hurting. Um, I guess if we take some positives out of it it's the you know the, the fact that we're in the fire that you know if the dragons are the at the best side in the competition at the moment which i think they are um you know we had every chance to beat them on the weekend and yeah. uh, credit to them for for getting, a, do you, getting do the you, win. do you find it more shattering when you get pumped or
1: when you have a close loss what's what's part uh, of it take
2: it's definitely more when you get pumped you know yeah. one wants to get pumped yeah, yeah. <laughs> um you know you have those days and you don't I mean, just nothing goes right for you and you do get pumped and um, yeah look i I'd, I'd definitely rather although they're heartbreaking the tough losses no one wants to get flogged um, we, yeah. we'd, we've definitely been in the fight so. we talked
1: about the game uh, earlier in the podcast but obviously from someone that's out there experiencing can you can you feel it coming that that sort of last few minutes when um, when things weren't going your way and obviously you lost Geordie to the sin bin um, you, you guys did so well to get I think it was nine minutes and forty-eight seconds without any points against you, and then that was they a scored right part then as
2: well, mate. Like that's um, it just summed it up for us, I guess, in the weekend. Like I thought, you know, we've done a real good job here. We've, you know, they get to a kick, we we'll nearly get Rapper back here. We'll have a full yeah. full squad again, and um, sure enough, Dufty just, um, you know, found found a you know a hole somewhere in our line, obviously with a short number. But like you said, we done so well for nearly all the ten minutes just to. Um, to not let any point we let a penalty goal in and you know, we, we get Rapper back and it's 18-all and uh, things might have been different. But, um, yeah, look, at that, that didn't help.
1: Ricky talked about game management uh, in the press conference and said, you know, we had an opportunity there at 18-all to probably knock a field, go over and, and choose some time up and go one point in front. Uh, as captain, did, does that message... Come through you, or does it? Is it something that the the, the sort of the, the yeah. spine does, or, is think, it, or who
2: is it that makes that call? Mate, and I, I put my hand up to sees as well after the game. I probably um, I probably can help him more there, and um, he's got a lot of pressure as every half does. Um, I reckon I can help him more and and identify that. But um, I, you know, we didn't. I didn't think of it myself, which was uh, probably a poor poor thing on my my side of the uh, the game. But uh, look, it's it's sort of done now. But it would have been nice. In in hindsight, but we we just um, didn't get around to it.
0: (laughs) Let's put it to bed, mate. Let's move on. Dragon's done. Let's
1: move on. <laughs>
2: it, it, no, when come, we come,
1: it is hard it personally. I can tell you. It is hard. We find it hard to come in here after a loss. So I can only imagine what it's like for you guys that uh, you're getting at hammered from everybody and all gonna, angles. We're going to
0: dissect the game. And I said before the break, I said, let's move on to next week. I'll never want to speak at that game again. Yeah. Um, oh, mate, don't worry. Let's but. move on. Let's put it to bed. Uh, just just a question there. During the week, we had a couple of you know, Boydies moving on. Junior Polo's moving on next year. What's it like, I mean, he's all professional, so that's just football these days, and it's kind of you kind of expect stuff like that happening, but on a friendship level, though, because you're all so close and you get along really well, knowing that your mate's going to move on next year, how does that affect you personally, and also how does it affect, does it affect the group anywhere, somewhere?
2: Yeah, look, it's it's not ideal. You you, you want to keep, we want to keep our squad, um, you know, as long as we can, but yeah, it's just the way it's going at the moment, and uh, Boydie and Jones are like you said, we're all great mates and they're really good mates of, of ours and, you know, they're gonna be missed more as mates and as players. So it's um uh, for Jones he's you know, he's got a young family to look after and he's got a really good deal there and now Boyd he's got a young he's got a young kid as well, so he's got his family as well to look after and um, you know, the I don't know, the ins and outs of it all, but by the sounds of it all it's just it's they'd be silly not to take up the offers they've been you know they've been given they've um like I said, young family to look after and their future to look after and um yeah, look, it's disappointing to see them leave obviously um you know big pigs being if. Yeah, you know, as a, as a junior, you know, playing through um, from Cowra, playing all the local juniors and that, and we've been good mates for a long, long time, and I'm we'll be mates for forever. But um, yeah, look, it's unfortunately the business we're in, and I've over the time I've been here, I've seen it every single year. So for yeah. someone that, that is so <laughs> committed to the club, and you've
1: played over two hundred games, you've signed probably resigned probably what half a dozen times since you were a kid. Yeah. Um, you, does it frustrate you for someone who's that committed to this organisation and this club.
2: Yeah, it's you'd like to see everyone stay. Um, you can't fit everyone. You in, can't you know, fit everyone. In, in the you just can't world, do you wanted it. all the. Yeah, but and can. I'm sure those guys wanted to stay. You know what I mean? I, I don't. I know guys like Feno. Feno never. You know, it's just the way it is. Feno didn't want to leave, but he had to. It's just the way the way it goes. Sometimes you'd and, love um, to
1: split the thirty. 30- the, the nine point whatever it is million dollars of, equally amongst 30 blokes but it just doesn't work it
2: like doesn't that it doesn't work yeah and it's hard and um, every club goes through it and uh, like you said been here for a fair while now I've seen it since my first year of uh, first grade people come and go and you become really good mates with them and I'm still mates with guys from, from that day um, I ran into Tungy last night actually speaking of uh, the great one But <laughs>
0: what's it like when the boys kind of address the team of the morning announcing that they're moving on is it it's probably emotional and sad and
2: everyone's different uh june's was quite um you know he's, he's really hit home a bit with all the boys and it was you know it was very june's a very uh, well-spoken guy he um told the boys all on the bus we're on our way down to a game and when we we pulled over he let us all know and um big boyd he got up there last week and uh the boys were holding back the laughs just because boyd he's you know what he's like. He's, he's not a public speaker. He's not a public speaker. He? he um yeah, he didn't give us much and the boys just had a bit of a laugh, but that's that's exactly what you expect from Bordy as well. So
1: I suppose one thing you will miss is your easy beat. In, in the, the car you, you, you he pays the, me rent I was going to say he pretty much <laughs> gives you cash every week because yeah. you, you smoke him in the in the Yuka games on the bus so you have to find another whipping
2: boy I don't have to find another easy baby boy has been paying me rent at me house for years it was him and Vaughn now it's him and Beto and me and Sammy just sit back and lick your lips every time they come with a deck of cards <laughs>
0: Craig, before we uh, move on again, look, a lot of people ask me on the street about what you guys achieved in 2016. Uh, you came second and, and whatnot. Last year was a you know a disappointing year. I remember talking to Sia, saying we're just the hunted every week now. And everyone's coming and bringing that intensity. It's like a finals game every week. And then Ricky said at the end of the year last year, he goes, what we achieved in 2016 is not broken. Um, A lot of the players from the 16 team have moved on now. Is it to a point now where we've left 2016 behind and it's like a whole new clipboard now? We needed to start fresh. We can't expect 2016?
2: Yeah, look, yeah... You can't expect it. Um, we want to do it again, don't worry. Don't, and we've got a lot of players there still, but we just spoke about the guys that have left that we sort of, you know, you didn't want your Fennos and uh, your Kurt Baptiste and Vaughn, and, um, Vaughn, Edrick Lee. Those guys, they just, they, they all left, you know, um, under circumstances of the salary cap. Like, you, yeah. You know, when you, nice when you're a successful depth, team, yeah. they, you have to
0: shed
1: players.
2: Well, it
0: exactly. used to be you win a premiership, you get rated. Now you have a good year, mm-hmm. and everyone's roaming around you. Like, how That's many right. players have yeah. we lost since 2016? You know, Brenko Lee as well, and, yeah. and Luke, um, what's his name for Newcastle? Uh, Mitchy Barnett. Mitchy Barnett, yeah. you know?
1: Yep. Guys that have gone on and played first grade. Yeah. Other clubs. You talk about 2016, but people forget that up until about this point during the season, we were sort of only... Around the eight and sort of in
2: and out of it. Last week, before last week's game, we're in the exact same. We went through and won ten games straight.
1: We're on an unbelievable run where we were just untouchable. I mean, that can happen again, but the reality is, it's it's not something that happens all the time. So it's harder and harder to achieve. But there's got to be belief in this team still that you can do stuff (laughs) this season.
2: There is, mate. There's plenty of belief. We know the we know the talent we got, and that's why the players get so frustrated with the loss and you know with the close losses because we know the we can beat any side we want to when we play our best football and that's the we, play, we are playing good football we're just not playing good football for 80 minutes and um, I say it every week there's no one not having a go, there's never no attitude uh, poor attitude. But Let me
0: ask you this Toots when you get to a point where you've got a team that's close and you're up by two, up by four is there a bit of anxiety in the air about? Geez, we could get beat here because of what's been happening in the last kind of like eighteen months. Is there some anxiety there? Some nervousness there?
2: I reckon, and I don't feel it. it. It might look like it in our play sometimes, and I can understand that from a fan's point of view. It, it may look like that as um, as fans watching, but it's it doesn't feel like that on the field. It's just. Um, I think we, we we have been guilty maybe of going into our shell a little bit um, and, and protecting a lead as opposed to um, like you'd say having having our foot on the opponent's throat. So because
0: um, the Cowboys' game defensively used were the best in a, probably two seasons, and it almost looked like his was so trustful and you had so much faith in your defence, you weren't going to lose that game, and you could just see your body language. Yeah. And you knew that you had him on toast, even though it was, I think, it was a close game. It was like four points at one stage, before Helievius her, her scored for us at the end. Yeah, you could just tell, like, no, nah, we're going to win this game because of how great our defence has been. Yeah. yeah, and you get that
2: the feeling. confidence was you get there. That feeling, yeah, we had. I had that feeling, and I, I know the feeling. And um, we had it against the Bulldogs when we had barely any players. Like you just get the feeling that they're not going to break us no matter what. And I I. I don't like comparing to 2016, but I compared it to that, the Cowboys game, to that one of uh, Melbourne at home in 2016, yep. I think it was yeah. around 20 or Couldn't something like that. I went, pushed Boydie
1: them over the, the sideline yeah, and the, the crowd, crowd and that, was going. Yeah, that, that was a crazy, crazy line, thing yeah. it had, so... That
2: was an awesome night. <laughs> um, definitely
1: got it there, but... Yep. We t- we come ag- up against a Manly side on Friday night that's uh, that's coming here off the back of a bit of good form. They've got a couple of players out now with uh, Walker and Coruscant out of that side, but... Um, they gave us a fair touch-up at Brookvale not that long ago. Does that play in the in the things this weekend? Do you do you look back at that game and and identify things that went wrong that night that you can you can fix for this game?
2: I think we did straight away. I think we um, that game we we. Uh, one of the things we pointed out was our, our line speed was pretty much non existent We had no no line speed and no intent off our own line and um, I think we uh, we adjusted that straight after and, and we come out and won a couple of games so it's uh, that that 's what we put it down to and that was the start of the game too and we um, you know, they, they got away on us early and then it just sort of flattened out the game. So um, no doubt the boys will be after a couple of losses as well have that line speed and that intent in our line and um, it'll just be a bad attitude for us on Friday night, especially with our, our old boys Well, night. that's
1: what my next question. It's yeah. the forever green night. We've we've played this game the last two seasons and we've had two fairly emphatic victories. 60-6 uh, to the, six
0: against the Tigers in the first one yeah. and then Parramatta last year. Yeah. That was a game when Nicky Cottridge scored at the end there. That's right. But so two, two, from two, two, really,
1: two really big wins and... I uh, the Newcastle Knights always talk about their old, boy, old boys' day mm. being the big game of the year. Do you guys I'd look at this game and go, holy... Sh-, you know, we've got... 60 of our legends yeah, coming to a, this we're game we've seen the list
2: there so we've the yeah. there there's, there's some big there guys does, does it put a bit of extra oomph into it Do you I think the boys out? just all want to win so they can have a beer with them after but, yeah um, exactly right we'll <laughs> no, a few look, stories it's, yeah it's a great night and um, you know like you said the last couple of years have been really good and um, the clubs worked it out perfectly the, the weekend that we have we've got the bye next weekend obviously so there's a lot of players that have uh, like you said 60 or 70 coming down and um, when those guys you see them on the sidelines in the tunnel how much they love it and how much they how proud they are you know, to be at the Raiders game and to cheer the boys on. It, it does give you an extra kick and um, you know, while you should be going into every game Absolutely flying! It's it's a real good feeling having those boys down there. So uh, I'm sure they'll help get us over the line. I
0: remember that game against the Tigers in 2016, and, and at the How half
2: you forget it. It's the the time
0: they were all out there, and we had Craig Bellamy there, Brett Mullins, yeah. Mal Meninga, Glenn Lazarus, the Walters boys, and I remember you guys were running out for the second half. I think it was about 16-6. Six. It was pretty close yeah. still because yeah. they had Robbie Farrer, and uh-huh. you know they had some good names there, and it was it was game on still. And I remember the likes of Caesar and the likes of Eddie Lee and stuff looking up and. Seeing seeing Craig Bellamy there saying this is a former old boy of the Raiders and then you come out and you, you, know, you beat the clock you were scoring yeah. tries really nearly you were scoring tries from 80 metres out and it was just a party as club captain Toots uh, I mean I know you are a rooster supporter growing up but you know moving on now you're the club captain what does it mean to you knowing that I know that Ricky just, he's all about the old boys and getting that old rich culture and getting all you boys understanding who you know ran before you Zett and wore that jersey before you guys what's it like as a leader Yeah. what responsibility do you have this weekend
2: yeah well I, I want to put my best foot forward and I want to I want to show those old boys the, the leader that I am at the club now it's um, you have so many lot those names you just mentioned and you, you got your Ash Gilberts and those guys mm-hmm. then you come back to the guys like Josh Miller Alan tongue yeah. uh, Campo guys mm-hmm. like that guys like that there as well who you want to prove that um, you know they wore the jersey with so much pride before you and they're leaders at the club that you're doing the job now that they wanted you to do and that, that I want and you learn from Nick those guys Nick, too. Yeah, those,
1: yeah I did, the, the, yeah. Those, uh, Miller's, Alan Tong's, exactly. Troy Thompson's.
2: And, and you want to make them guys proud. You know, When you're leading the boys out, they're going, well, I helped him when he was young. And, and I want to do the same for you know, Nick Kotrick in 10 yeah. years' time and he's yeah. doing the same thing. So it's, it's definitely a, a big occasion and um, I'm sure I know all the boys feel the same way I do about it.
0: Who were some of the guys that you looked up to growing up when you kind of made grade? I think you debuted in '09, didn't you? Nine, yeah. yeah. I,
2: um, oh, you had your he was obviously in to Joshie Miller. Just uh, I've got to add Feno in there now with the toughest blokes I've ever played with. But looking looking up to guys as um, you know, Joshie Millers, Alan Tung, Troy Thompson, you mentioned. Um, Campo and Joe Monaghan were those guys that just took me under their wing as a kid. Joey Picker was in career best foreman and he was only a couple of years older than me, Joey, but um, you know, he was he was you know, he was a senior player in that side and he um, got
0: picked for the
2: picked for the prime minister, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um mate, it was it was a it was a really good team to come into. Guys like Phil Graham, who I still keep in touch with, I, um, when I can, I, when I when I run into the big fella. But he, he was a you know electric in his day, Phil, and he really helped me out coming through the grades as well. So it's yeah. um, all guys like that. But see, you just want to see him again, and exactly, you, they're just you, mates for life. Do you remember
1: the night when uh, I can't remember who it was against, and Tungy pretty much walked into the stadium. Bent over because he was in that much pain from a rib injury, yeah. and yeah, it was hanging out, was hanging it? out, yeah. and it was yeah. like poking wow. out. And he was but, he walked into the stadium like an eighty year old man, and uh, he went down to the sheds and they gave him a, a local anaesthetic, like and anesthetic. it wore off at halftime, and
2: wrapped a bit of tape, just wrapped a bit paddock. of tape, went
1: back <laughs> out. As a young player, when you see something like that, do you just think what's going on? <laughs> what, am scared, I, what am I doing? Yeah, scared
2: me. I was like, geez, what if I got myself into here? But um, I remember, yeah, I do remember that day, and that happened more than once with Tongi. Like, He's, if it wasn't that, it was his nose getting belted sideways. Yeah. He's wasn't just, he
0: getting injections in his face
2: and his nose before game? Oh, it could have been, yeah. He, um, I remember, and Josh Miller was the same, both his shoulders and traps and um, all the same things, and he was knocking himself out every second week, too, didn't help. But um, I remember I remember uh, when I debuted, or when I was one of my first games, and Josh Miller asking for, for some anti-inflammatories, just some Voltaren. And I sort of said to Josh, he was like, oh, what's, what's that do, mate? He, Trust me, you're going to live off this one day, <laughs> no, mate. Sure enough, I do. it's keeps <laughs> going now.
0: Wow. So, yeah, it's going to be a great night. Forever green, all the boys there. So at halftime, you can see them. They'll be all coming out on the field. They'll be
1: down on the field for warm-up, down watching the boys warm-up. That must, that'll must that be a buzz for you guys, You know, having them there while you guys warm-up and go through the motions. And then uh, they'll line the tunnel um, for kick-off uh, before the game. So, great. Um, fans. so letting
0: the boys out with the old boys. Would that be mentioned in the pre-game, or was that just like an unspoken thing saying, and the faces are there. No words. Oh, I think I'll talk
2: mentioned. about you'll talk about that at some point it, in the lead yeah, up to the game. Yeah, I, I think I will. I'll just um, it'll be a little quick word before we obviously. Letting the boys know, they say these boys are here watching us warm up. Let's be nice and sharp. Let's be loud. Let's be vocal. And when we run out, let's you know show them our respect and then show them what their jersey means to us.
0: Because I tell you what, I've spoken to a lot of those guys throughout the years, whether it's through these podcasts or just having chats, and a lot of them just literally still bleed green. They do. And players yeah. like Lil Lazarus, who went on to bigger, you know, to pick things for other clubs, still says his Raiders through and through. And yeah, there's almost some regret there, you know. Madge McGuire Gary is Belcher. saying Gary Belcher, mate, he came out and said, mate, when I left the Raiders, my life was over because it was all and because the club's just got this camaraderie and his family about it and and Ricky always says you know when he meets a guy an old teammate it's like you know it was like yesterday yeah and there's something about the Raiders and it's a special night for
2: Evergreen night it is and Stick really loves it he 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 loves the fact of um, you know that the boys really get around that and the boys appreciate that and appreciate the past players and I know the old players love it as well that the boys all come up I know when you when I'm done I'm gonna want to talk to the younger players as well so I I know the older boys love it, but um, the young the players at the moment love it just as much as well. So, um it'd be
1: nice to come in after you retired and go, boys, back when we won three comps, I yeah. was the
2: one that, you know... <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to do that. Yeah, be it'd be unreal.
0: Perfect, mate. Just uh, I remember talking to you a few weeks ago, you never saw Sticky play as a young fella? You don't remember him as the player?
2: Not really. I remember him... Uh Probably going when he went to the Bulldogs it was sort of you when I was, I was about because I was only born, in... everyone thinks I'm old. I was only born in 1990. I'm, not that you old, to mate.
0: You know, I'm shocked to hear that though. <laughs> You know, Do you like, just
2: remember him as a player.
0: As a player, I mean, I know because it's an, an. Well, that's right. he thing. would have
1: been eight years old when he went to the bulldog, Bulldogs. So yeah, that's yeah, right. So that, that was a, sort of when you sort of start, start remembering. Femurin. But yeah. he's pretty
0: humble. <laughs> he doesn't sit there and, and chain his horn about him, him as a player,
2: does he? He's nah, pretty humble nah, there, No, he? Yeah. Doesn't, he doesn't talk much. He's
1: got the highlights tape out at one of the video yeah, sessions yet. He hasn't yet. He hasn't yet. or
2: something. Don't He's the first player to have a shot at drop goal when we get out in the field every week. And he still hits them well too. I watch him kick
1: the ball out there in sessions. He doesn't miss.
2: Yeah. Oh, he was the best though. At the ball, mate, in his hand. I've seen a few highlights, but um yeah, yeah like I said, I was a bit young. That- we'll
0: have to have a beer one night, mate. I'll, I'll show you. Anything. I'll tell you. Anything. I'll get you up to date with we'll the
2: still got his poster up on his wall at home.
0: It's still there, mate. It's still there, mate. Uh, you, you're quite a, You're quite busy off the field with some business ventures. Um, yeah, over there, you know, they have got the pizzeria out there in Goulburn. How's that Got going, a little mate?
2: bit on, mate. Yeah, I got the uh, the crust pizza at Goulburn. It's uh, it's going really good. They're currently going through a rebrand across the whole. uh whole franchise crust is so it's um, what are they calling it now. no nah, it's still crust but it's just it's i think it's crust gourmet pizza i think it's just crust but all new boxes a new look new image sort of thing new menu so uh um,
0: speaking of the menu now you, obviously you're familiar with the chicago bulls michael jordan used to have you mentioned
2: this the other day didn't you michael jordan <laughs> had his
0: own menu and each player had their own like sandwich or steak, whatever. We used
2: to have that at Cafe Momo's. <laughs> it used to be yeah, there. Yeah, he
0: right. was pretty harsh, George. The
1: Tommy, the Tommy Large special. The was Lazi, the, yeah. the Lazi was the scrambled eggs with the. Red onion and barbecue sauce on the what side. Whatever you, you can fit in it, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: so Jordan was pretty strict because Luke Longley never got on there, and apparently he had to do a certain amount of so he he had to play a certain, a certain amount of games before you got to pizza. get on there. And he was, and he was really, he was really uh, strict on that. So I've got a couple of ideas for you. Making right, a menu me, over there me. with the new rebrand, rebrand, and I've covered pizza, healthy, and dessert. Beautiful. So for your pizzas, you've got the Royal Rapana. <laughs> that's uh, full of chicken. You've got the, the teriyaki tarpani.
2: Yeah. I'm going to flat out keep these boys out of them, Peter.
0: We've got the, the buy the seer basket. Buy the seer. Oh. If that's not your poison, the healthy, the healthy menu oh, is... is going to be... The BJBLT. He
2: uh, you you doesn't need healthy.
0: The Aiden Caesar salad. Caesar salad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
2: had to be, had month. to be. Yep. Was given.
0: You've got the papa pie. with cottage cheese. Cottage <laughs> cheese. <laughs> and for dessert... Sticky day pudding. <laughs>
2: <laughs> A couple of morals there too. Surely, there? I that to surely the boys, Shannon mate. Boyd just go. gets the meat lovers. It's just called the Boyd made, made Deluxe It's just called The Boyd The Boyd the, the Pig
0: Or uh, the Triple M boys call them The Lab Experiments lab <laughs> The experiment. Lab Experiments
2: <laughs> Actually I'll, I'll tell the boys that and Joel Monahan actually owns it with me as well so he's he'll be happy to, to have a look at that so mate We might forward get a big red special to, Yeah that's
0: right Mate I'll look forward to we'll talk about a shop later mate uh, we'll set that up for you <laughs> He's
2: looking for a cut <laughs>
1: Mate thanks for coming in uh, Not good, a pizza luck on, either. good luck on Friday night It's going to be a special evening down there at j Stadium Let's hope we get a big crowd there and uh, celebrate with a win uh, so you guys can enjoy
2: some time with the past players after the game that's good Manny thanks mate thanks for having me boys It's um, it's been a pleasure all the best toots cheers boys
0: on the Behind the Limelight podcast we present Forever Green we talk to players from the past that wore the lime green jersey with pride passion and plenty of courage Sean McRae, aka Bomber, welcome to the Behind the Longlight podcast.
3: Oh, lovely to be with you, Nick, and uh, bring, already bringing back some wonderful memories before we even have a chat.
0: I thought I'd call you there, Bomber. Some of our chats we've had with some of the past players. Your name's been mentioned quite a bit. As a kid growing up in the, through the Raiders era of you know from eighty eight, eighty nine, all the way through the nineties. You were more than just a strength and conditioning coach. You were more than just Sheensy's, you know, 2IC. You you had more of a role there. Let's cast your way back to when you first came. You actually came to Canberra in 81, and and you were a player at the Blues. How did you go from the Dragons, the St George Dragons? Why Canberra? Why the Blues?
3: Oh, look, um, I'd finished my uh, teacher training and my sports science degree in Sydney, and I was offered a job at a school in Sydney, and... uh, a couple of weeks before school went back, um, the principal rang me and said they hadn't had the number of enrolments that they'd expected. So, unfortunately, there was no longer a position at that school. And I started looking around and I saw uh, you know, the rumours were that Canberra were going to come in in 82. And I just thought there might have been an opportunity there. So. There was a there was an opportunity to work in Canberra and also an opportunity to play with the Blues.
0: Finance the lining and talk about a bit of fate there. So you actually saw the Canberra Raiders, the baby being born from '82 onwards, and it got till about the the, the mid '80s there, around the '85 '86 area when that big wave of Queenslanders like Mao, the Walters boys, came, Gary Coyne, when the Raiders really started to find their wheels on the field. Of course, the '87 Grand Final, you're, you're working there with. With Don Ferner and Wayne Bennett, what was that like?
3: Well, it was a wonderful experience. I mean, um, it was a tough period those early years. It wasn't easy to attract big-name players mm. um, to, to Canberra, and, a, and it wasn't easy to hold people there that um, that showed a lot of talent because they, they were still getting picked up by the bigger clubs. But I think bringing Wayne down just added that difference that, that um, would bring some players with him, and it was a culmination of a really, really... Um, Good year's work.
0: Basically, 87 was a precursor for what was to come for the Raiders, for reasons being, Bennett went back to the Broncos. Of course, Fernsey put in his five years and hang up his helmet. A bloke called Tim Sheens came along. When Tim Sheens first came, was there a bit of fear saying, gee, I don't know, he might change all his staff, that kind of stuff?
3: I I rang him, and um, I uh, I mean, none of us were really cemented there. You know, it wasn't sort of a contractual basis in those days, and, Mm. you know, the world's moved forward very, very quickly. you know, what, what we all understand today didn't occur in those days. It was very much a wink and a nod and a shake of a hand. And mm. um, I, I remember ringing Tim because, again, the story was he was going to bring his brother to the club, uh, Bob, who was doing strength conditioning at, um, I think at the time, might have been at the Roosters mm. um, and had been to a, a few different clubs. So I needed to know where I stood, and, and Tim indicated that he, whilst he'd be making some changes, he was he was happy with me to remain in that role. In fact, wanted to expand the role, which which uh, gave me a lot of confidence. and. And that was the start of a, a wonderful uh, friendship and also a, a great working relationship. I had about nine years under his tutelage and um, I hold him in uh, very high regard and esteem and thank him very much for probably allowing me to become a head coach.
0: 88, uh, we just fell short. We, we, we got in the top four there, Bomber, but we just missed out. Let's roll on to 89. Wow, yeah. what a year that was. Uh, talking to some of the, all the players that have played in that game, they remember it like it was yesterday. What was your memories of the 89 grand final?
3: Oh look, it was just the whole the whole build up. I think the the, the week um, leading up to it, the fact that the guys were really excited. A lot of guys had played in the '87 Grand Final, mm. and they and they. I know Tim Tim always used to say to me, you know, that '88 team was was probably a team that was capable of winning the competition as well. So we yeah. still had a lot of guys that played in that in that competition. I think injuries probably crippled us a bit in '88. So there was a there was confidence without being overconfident. I don't think anyone could ever go into a a game like a grand final will be overconfident, but I think you know that you've got your preparation in order. We had a, a lot of um, origin players, we had a lot of internationals playing, and as you just mentioned earlier, Nick, that when we when the club started to recruit from various areas, not only Australia but New Zealand woke up as well and said, "Hey, there's this place called Canberra, which mm-hmm. just happens to be the capital of Australia." But but not only that, it's now the, the Raiders. And people wanted to come and play, yeah. it wasn't like you had to go out and start fishing. you had to go out and start grabbing people and dragging them in. People wanted to come to you, and that was the big turnaround for me. The big turnaround was being, being able to attract the big name players but add them to the already wonderful talents of your local guys like your, like your Stewarts and your Clydes, you know these sorts of guys born and bred in in, in Canberra, highly talented people that could have played anywhere else. They could have gone, they could have left, but no, they you know, they wanted to play with all these big guys as well, so all the other big names, and they became big-name superstars themselves. You know, Jack has try, of course, um, listen to a lot of people that it kind of starts off at about 20 metres and then it ends up, mm. sometimes he, when he tells the story, it ends up as a 400-metre run. It, yeah. You think he'd like broken the Olympic record the way he goes on, but you know it was still a wonderful thing and yet yeah. still not game over because, you, you know, you're playing... Um, 10 minutes each way, so you still had to play time. It wasn't like a, a golden point sort of thing.
0: Well, Dean Lance coined the phrase that Canberra now has a soul, and they weren't just known as a political capital full of public servants. They was known as a town <laughs> with some great footballers called the Raiders, you know?
3: Oh, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more with Dean Owen, and true.
0: 1990, bomber. Wow, what a year that was. Uh, they come out of the blocks. He's come out of the blocks, pre-season cup against Penrith, blew away Balmain in the first week. A lot of the boys, a lot of the guys in that squad said we really felt where we are after we blew away uh, Balmain and Goldman in the pre-season cup. His win against uh, Penrith, minor premiers in all three grades. And I asked the players... You talk about the modern era now, how people can't go back-to-back because you just become the hunter, you become the measuring stick in the NRL. Yep. For you guys, what was it like, and what was you and Sheenzy, what was the, the whole ethos for the year, to, to go up to raise the bar, to go on your level, because the Canberra Raiders just became this monster, unbeatable, and obviously going back-to-back.
3: Well, you sit around with your staff afterwards, you know, and you, uh, you celebrate like everybody else does. You go away, you have a little break, you do some preparations, you come back, and then you just... Again, you have a conversation, so, well, what do we want to do? How good did that feel when in 89? Do you want to, can we do it again? Look at your roster, look at your facilities. How do we change things? How do we, if you, if, you, if you do what you did and other teams look at you and improve their standards, you won't come first again. And we looked at how we could make some changes to what we did at practice. Spoke to the players about it and said, you know, what do you guys think? And, you know, I don't recall any player saying, well, I think we can come second, third or fourth. Everybody said, we want to win again. Let's go back to back. Coming out of almost semi-professional and becoming almost full-time professional. And, uh, look, again, it just worked. You need a little bit of luck with some games. You need a little bit of luck with injury. You need a little bit of luck with some refereeing decisions. You know, and that all tends to sort of pan out at the end of the year. Were we the best team? Absolutely.
0: Was that the start? of this whole innovation of the Canberra Raiders. The Canberra Raiders were the leaders in the Winfield Cup of the 90s about bringing stuff from America, bringing the scientific stuff. And I always get told that you and Tim Sheens were well ahead of your time.
3: Players will do anything for you if they believe in it. Mm-hmm. Um, the club was always very good. We went to the States a couple of times. We looked at things. We brought back some equipment. We brought back some ideas. Yes, we were. I would think we were innovative. I would think we were a little bit ahead of our time. But it was because we were looking and we wanted to be.
0: 91 bomber. Uh, we hmm. spoke about being the hunted in 1990, became the extra hunted yeah. in 91. The Raiders would now, you know, you had blokes like Graham Hughes, the commentator for Channel 10, saying, one the, probably one of the greatest sides ever assembled in the world in the history of rugby league of the game. Mao started to really climb into his, climb into his presence. Ricky, Laurie, the, Laurie moved to 5-8 oh, yeah. from the centres. It just all started to really move. But it was not without its controversy, of course. The salary cap hit, yeah. and I remember just being a kid walking through the streets and seeing a lot of stuff about the Raiders, yeah. and then there was all that the administration stresses. And by the end of the year, the players were busted. Ricky with his groin, Laurie with his yeah. knees and ankles, busted Sternham yeah. for Lazo. Belcher wasn't 100%. Everyone, they weren't yeah. just carrying end-of-season injuries, they were carrying stuff that they probably shouldn't have been playing with. But unfortunately, um, they just missed out against Penrith but, yeah, you mentioned you had a couple of stories about some of the injuries leading up to it.
3: Oh, yeah. Look, it was a really, really tough year. It, um, it just didn't appear in the uh, in the playoffs. Some of these guys carried these injuries for weeks leading into the playoffs, and we had to try to manage them. You know, it's a, 91 was tough for a lot of reasons, and I think it, if we go back to the start of the year... That, that, for me, was the start when people showed a lot of interest in us. There were people coming to practice from other clubs. There were people ringing and saying, hey, do you mind if we come and look at this? Is there, is there a, you know, a way we can come to your practice? Can we come and watch your warm-ups before the game? Mm-hmm. They all think we were doing something secretive, but we weren't. We weren't. We were just yeah. doing what what I thought was right, and I thought you know we were doing things at a really high level. And we also had a very, very good talent base to work with. So we get through the season. We know that guys are really in trouble. And we try to manage that. You know, one thing that, you know, the Ricky's Ricky's groin injury was horrendous, absolutely horrendous. I mean, he was in agony. He was, um, I can still see the photo, you know, there's still the images of him having to have um, a needle put up well, shall we say between the thighs into that sort of pubic, that symphysis pubis area, mm. uh, very, very painful as you can wow. imagine. But these are the sorts of things that people do to, to get on the field. There's an argument, is it right or wrong? Should they have it done or should they rest? Look, all I can say is a guy like Ricky, you know, was such a tough, courageous player. He wanted to play anyway, but he wouldn't have just rested for a week or two. He wouldn't have played the rest of the season. Wow. The other one that comes to mind is Laurie Daly. Laurie, Laurie had some hamstring trouble, but he also had an ankle problem. Now, the difficulty, as most people will know, if you're going to try to rehab your hamstring, at some point you're going to have to start to walk or run. Mm. Well, Laurie couldn't do that because of his ankle. He just he couldn't, he couldn't really wait there. So we were having some difficulty leading up to that game. We did a lot of work in the pool with him, which in the, uh, and therapy is really, really good. But at some point you've got to put him on the field to test. Mm. And we all agreed, player, coach, uh, physio, doctor all agreed that the only way to do it was to actually inject Laurie's ankle and test him out. So we weren't only testing the ankle, we are also testing the hamstring. So So we had to do that. So
0: he had to get Um, injections in his ankles just to test out the hammies, just to get him on the field. the
3: hamstrings. Wow. That's right. That's exactly right, just to get him on the field. So, you know, as disappointing as 91 was in not winning, I've got to say, I don't think I've ever been involved with a more courageous, brave effort in rugby league than what i saw that year too it was also that salary cap issue wasn't going away mm. and and you know it was a, it affected people it affected staff it affected players and again which makes it makes that, that that performance even more meritorious
0: yeah that mentioned the salary cap a lot of players moved on we lost lazo we lost toddy blokes like mark bell paul martin Canberra juniors had to move on you know nigel gaffey dave barnhill all these talent coming th- all these talent coming through I think I think the club lost about thirty five plus players between first grade and Presidents Cup.
3: As I said, it affected all of us. I, I can remember taking a twenty five percent pay cut. Mm. Um, I was assured that, that that a lot of people in the club were doing the same, players and coaches as well. Mm. So you know, I had to make a decision whether I wanted to stay. Um, I decided to stay, and on the basis that Tim decided to stay, and other staff, and I think I got a feeling that Mal was the first one to put his hand up. Mm and say that he was staying at the club, and I think that was a a huge lift for everybody. Um, We kind of came back to the field a little bit there, Nick.
0: Yeah, I remember the year, that was a year that young bloke David Ferner was unleashed. I remember his first game against Parramatta a blinder. We roll into 93 there, Bomber. The Raiders were so far ahead of everyone towards the end of that season, (laughs) but poor old Sticky goes down with that ankle.
3: Yes, um, did we beat Parramatta? Did we we win by 50 or 60 points or something? 68 zip it it was. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it was right. I can still remember Brian Hyder running on the field. And his hair was his hair was silvery, and it was more grey within five seconds because he just looked at the bench as if to say, you know, that's it. You just look, saw the look on his face, um, and I, I went out, and uh, you could just tell. I looked at the leg, and yeah, it was um, it was a pretty it was a bad injury, and uh, obviously Rick was in a lot of discomfort. And then uh, you know we'd get the news that night at the hospital that. Uh, You know, he's going to be out long-term, and that, that, again, has a major effect. You know, people often say, oh, you know, you've just lost a player, but surely he's replaceable. Well, I reckon there's some that aren't. Everything he did, he did 100%. Such a fierce competitor. To lose the person that that effectively ran the show for you on match day was a huge loss.
0: 94 rolls around, obviously that was a fantastic year, but just also being... For yourself, a bit of a shot in the media there. There was a local show called League Roundup with good old Elvis yeah. Phil Small and and the likes of Paul Osborne and yourself, and that was a, yeah. a late night show on Thursday night. Oh, it's a great little piece.
3: You know, Smallie was great as the anchor man, and you know, Sticky as that as the, uh, the, the the level of player that he that he'd become, yeah. um, was you know held in really really high esteem there. And to be able to work with those guys, and yeah, you're right, Aussie Aussie on the odd occasion, and you know, it was a good team. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and we just tried to get the message across. And you know, I find to even today, Nick, what people are saying on most of these commentary, you know, pundit type shows, uh, magazine type shows, we I guess we were saying the same things then, you know, just in yeah. a different way, maybe.
0: Yeah, I mean, I remember Bomber at the Bar. I remember that segment? <laughs>
3: Bomber at the Bar was a great segment.
0: Okay, '94. Wow, what a year that was. Of course, Mao's last year, um, just a tremendous year for the club, and, and talked to a lot of players. Besides Mal, and they were all kind of bound together behind his back to kind of do it for him.
3: We had a number of players that could probably do something that would would probably be able to pin pin the arm down, you know, and and win the game. And Mal was in that category. Mm. It might have been just catch and pass. It might have been hitting a hole. It might have been burrowing his way over near the try line, or might have been kicking a goal from the sideline, or just coming up with a good shot on someone. You know, you don't know, but that that's what that's what these champion players do. They they just do something that somebody else may not have been able to do, and. Um, you know, Mal was a, Mal was great for the club. He 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 inspired a lot of people and uh, and and everybody everybody respected him. And I think that's uh, they're the traits you want in in a, in a leader and you know and, and particularly a captain. I think uh, if I'm right in saying Johnny Lomax got sent from the field. Yeah, in um, the in, game, in yeah. The, yeah, a couple of games before and and was ruled out. Was On it Aussie. against North Sydney? It was against right North. So
0: right he sense. got sent off and then yeah, Sheenzy pulled out. Uh... <laughs> Ozzy Osborne was about to go on a plane to England and then he said, just, so, just stay for the weekend. You
3: know Here's a funny story. Here's a funny story. Well, true story. We sit down and talk about Ozzy and he says to me, mate, what weight is he? And I, I, I don't remember what weight he was, but he hadn't played for a little while. He said, do you think we'd be able to get him down to this particular weight to play him? And I said, well, I reckon we can certainly get him down, but if we get him down to that weight, he's probably got one stint in him. He might have two but I reckon he's got 20 minutes in him and you might be better off starting him. And I'm not saying that was my idea to start him. It was kind of a consensus of if he's going to play, don't bring him off the bench, but just just start him and burn him out and see how he goes. Well, we, I, I worked with Aussie every day. We did, we did so much work. And at the same time, I was conscious we had a grand final. We were able to do a fair bit of work with him because he wasn't sore from the weekend. And yeah, look, we caught him up and he, you know, whenever you see him today, he still reminds everyone it's all about your last game.
0: Oh, he, was, he had a he had a Barry Blind. It was just one of those days with the Stars, just a line for the Canberra Raiders. Well, my 96 rolls around, and uh, that was your last year for the Raiders, and that was you moved on to St. Helens as head coach yeah. over there.
3: As every year went by with Tim, he gave me more and more leeway and more, more latitude to, to work with the guys. Did a lot of stuff on video with them, sat down with them. We did a lot of work either with the forwards or the backs or left or right side. And then even at times I, I had the opportunity to take the captain's run, you know, the day before. So mm. Tim was giving me more and more responsibility. And I just thought, well, you know, I wouldn't mind having a go at this head coach.
0: You make your way back to Australia. You had a short stint there with with South Sydney. What was it like coaching, coaching against the Raiders?
3: Oh, it, it was something that um, I think all coaches will tell you. Where if you've ever been involved with a club at it's it's kind of a special feeling. I don't think, I don't necessarily know if you want to win more because I. It's not a club I left on you know on bad terms or anything. Mm. It was just um, it was an opportunity of a, a career uh, promotion. Mm. So, um, but it's still a bit funny when you spend so much time with a club. But I remember. Um, and we were playing, playing down at in Canberra, and it was an old boys' day. Yeah. We went out to warm up. And I, as a head coach, sometimes you go out, sometimes you don't. But I just kind of felt I wouldn't mind being on the grass again at that wonderful stadium where I'd been on for so many years. And out I go. And as I go out, the guys are warming up. All the old boys start doing a lap. Yeah. So I went across to shake hands with one. And I must have shaken hands with, however, I don't know how many were there. It might have been 40 or 50, I don't know. But
0: I remember that. Hugs
3: and cuddles, yeah, it was fantastic. And so much so, I think the warm-up had finished and the boys were back in the change rooms before I'd realised. But um, I think uh, the Raiders got us by a point or two that night.
0: Forever Green, set of six. First question, what do you do now for work, Bomber?
3: I went back into, I've gone back into school teaching. I was originally a teacher. I taught in Canberra for seven years and... uh, I've ha- sort of had enough of coaching for thirty years. I've got to say, I sort of coached the coaching out of, out of myself. But gone back into school teaching, but I'm actually doing a lot of coaching. Where I've got, I'm at a school that in just south of Brisbane that has a, a rugby league program. I'm really enjoying. I'm really enjoying giving something back.
0: Excellent. Uh, question two: What did it mean for you to wear the Raiders tracksuit?
3: Oh, pride, respect, the ability to be knowing that you're part of a, a wonderful group of people, and that you're supported by by the community.
0: Best memory at the club, bomber.
3: Oh, 89 grand final, I think without a doubt. There's been so many, but you've got to go with the first one and and just to see what that meant to so many people. It wasn't just us, that was happy and celebrating.
0: If I could ask, a favourite teammate, not necessarily one of the players, he could be part of the staff or part of the club on on a whole...
3: Oh, look, um, there's, there's a couple. that there's If I can go with more than one, the three amigos were, were Tim Sheens, myself and Brian Hyder. Mm. We formed a wonderful friendship and relationship, and not, and not only at work but also off the field, you know, we, we became really close. Um, the other one, whilst I, I was always really wary about developing strong relationships with players in terms of friendships and, and being associated with an outside work time, um, I think Ricky Stewart, Ricky and I um, became close friends, Uh, particularly on the tours as well.
0: Funniest moment. Gosh. A G-rated version, though.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But there were a lot of ones that we used to have. Have any of the boys ever spoken about the T-shirt that you've given out on Tuesday night? Yeah,
0: every week. So there
3: were some wonderful stories. And Steve Walters and myself probably used to, um, shall we say, ad lib a little bit, and we used (laughs) to add a little bit on if we we thought the story was, was rather boring. But we got to a point where we had to ban some players. We had to ban some players from getting it because they were getting it every week. They were that dumb <laughs> and that silly, and they'll come up with these stupid things. But I think – I don't know if anybody remembers um, Mark Lowry.
0: Yeah.
1: Mark
3: Lowry was a, a tremendous lower-grade player. I Before, think he played yeah. a of, Mark Lowry was one who just every Tuesday you just sat there in awe of a story that someone told about him, and it might have been Craig Bellamy telling it, it might have been Steve Walters, it might have been myself, just, you know, or someone that had been out with him on the weekend or something he'd done at home or – even as, I think, even his missus got involved at one stage and started ringing someone and saying, "You got to, you got to get this one, guys."
0: What advice would you give to the current day Canberra Raiders players?
3: Remember who you're representing. Understand the culture. Understand that one one day this club wasn't there and then it was, and why it happened and how it happened and the reasoning behind it. So understand that you're not only when you take the when you take the field, you're not just taking the field to represent yourself or your parents or your friends, or any other relatives, or whatever, whatever motivates you, you're also representing the people that have that have taken the field and represented this great club from the past, but you're also setting the standards for the future. And appreciate your time there, because it's not always as long as you, as you think it will be, and you'll look back, hopefully look back with wonderful, fond memories, not just about being a rugby, rugby league player, but how it's developed your life skills, and how it's developed you as a person, And made you, hopefully, made you a great citizen of the community.
0: Sean McRae, thank you very much for joining us on the Behind the Long Life podcast.
3: That's a pleasure, Nick. Cheers, mate.